good to be here singing songs with you of worship. Yeah. So we've been learning in Romans 12, Pastor Ken has been talking through what it means to live your life in worship. And so can we just toss up Romans 12 as we refresh our memory? Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. And so we're talking about worship in a day-to-day, week-by-week sense. And so right now, we get the opportunity to sing. And so that's a different kind of worship. And so in Psalm 22, it says, I will tell of your name to my brothers in the midst of the congregation. I will praise you. I love that David is writing this for this literal scenario right now. Like he's talking about in a congregation that will praise the Lord. So there's two types of worship when we're praising God. The kind that we praise the Lord and we sing directly to him. And then also the kind where we're singing and reminding each other why God is good, why he's worthy to be praised, why, why worship is necessary. And so while we just did that, we have the opportunity to sing directly to God right now. And so that's why church is so exciting because our attitude and our outlook literally changes when we realize that God is receiving what he deserves when we sing. His presence simply awaits our awareness. Walking around these walls I thought by now they'd fall But you have never filled me Waiting for change to come Knowing the battles won For you have never failed me yet Your promise still stands Great is your faithfulness your faithfulness I'm still in your hands this is my confidence you never failed me
promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness, your faithfulness. I'm still in your hands. This is my confidence. You
seated, please. This morning, as we continue, we have a, a, another baby dedication. We're just thanking God for all the, uh, how God's been blessing the church. Can we give God a hand? Just thank Him how He's blessing our church. He's a great God. So this morning, we have Mike and Mallory Goodling are coming, and they are bringing Leliana with, him, with them. Leliana was just born this summer, just actually not long ago. What, what was her birthday? July 5th, all right? This is, and I, I think, uh, so she was born July the 5th, and you had her in church by July the 10th, I think. It was amazing. Can we just welcome these folks? We just thank God for them. Today, as you come to dedicate this baby, I just want to remind you that God has blessed you with this child, and uh, that children are a gift from God. They really are, and God God gives them to us, and he's entrusted you to, to care for her physically, emotionally, and spiritually. And so here at the church, we come alongside of you to, to help to, uh, to give to you uh, support as you, as you support her uh, spiritually and emotionally. And so today, we, we come alongside just as your church family to say uh, that we, we're on your team. You know, uh, as we come to this point uh, in our service where we were dedicate her. I just want you to know that she, we're following what has been done through Scripture, and we see this done over and over in Scripture, and Samuel is one of the most famous ones that we see it. If you go in the book of 1 Samuel, you'll find that Hannah needed, wanted to have a child, and she couldn't have a child. So she prayed and prayed to the Lord, and as she prayed to the Lord, she, she asked the Lord, I, please, if you'll give me a child, I will give him back to you. I will dedicate him to you. And, uh, and she did. And as a matter of fact, she, she was praying to the point where the, where the priest in the temple thought that she was drunk. And so God answered her prayer, and God gave her a baby. And she came back, and she prayed, and she said, Lord, I give you this baby, and today this baby is yours. And uh, I, I dedicate him to the, to the service of the Lord. And so this morning, I'd just like to read another verse from Psalm 139 and, uh, and just share with you about uh, just, you know, just reminder of, uh, of, uh, of this beautiful gift of life that God has given you here. Um, for you formed my inward parts. And this is what God says of all of us, but today I want to just read it in light of and Leliana here today. That uh, for you formed my inward parts, you knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. And so that we can say today of your baby that God has blessed you with. I know that you have family members here today. And so uh, if, the, if you're, you're, your parents, and I'm sure both your parents are here, right? If the, if the grandparents would please stand. We just want to recognize you and say thank you for coming today, all right? All right, there's all the grandparents here today. We welcome you. You may be seated, and I, I know there's all kind of, you have a lot of family here today because these folks are going to help support you. They're going to come, come around and, and help support you. So today, we have Courtney Hodson as our children's ministry director. If we could have a microphone for her, we're going to have her. She's going to share and present you with a gift from our church. Good morning. How sweet. I just miss this stuff, like the tutus and the tool. Um, congratulations. And I just wanted to share with you, you've pro- maybe you've seen me give these to other families in the past, but this is approximately 936 marbles, which equals how many weeks you have from this beautiful tiny moment till you're shipping them off to Waynesburg on Thursday, people. Um, anyway, so 
I've been there and I've stood there in your spot next to my husband when we've declared to the congregation and they've said, yep, we're going to help you love up this little girl. And so it's an honor for me to do that for you. Take this home, look over what the legacy is, but every minute counts. And I promise that downstairs, that's what we're trying to do is love on you guys, love on her and um, introduce her to Jesus. So take these, you can look them over at home. They're a little heavy and welcome to our family. And she's a doll. Okay. Amen. As, uh, as, as we now dedicate her to the Lord, I just, uh, I want to ask you, our congregation to join me. You know, what a privilege is we, we've just been seeing family after family that God's blessed us with. And it, we take it, we're, we're stewards of this. So when you come into our, our, into our church, whether you have a little child or you have grandchildren, um, we take your spiritual life as our stewardship. We're here to steward that. And so we don't take it lightly. We're not just happy because the place is full. We want to make disciples who will make disciples who will make disciples. And so our prayer is that one day your child, little Leliana, will come to know Jesus as her personal Savior. And so we're really dedicating you as parents today. So we're dedicating that you will stand to the task. And I'm asking our congregation that we'll stand with them and, uh, and learn her name. I, I, she, she's the first one. She's the first Leliana that I've met. And, uh, but I mean all of our kids, we want to learn her names. And so you know how cool it is for her to, be, to grow up in a church environment where she's known where somebody knows her. And one day she'll, be, she'll come to know Jesus as her personal Savior, is our prayer. And one day she'll be serving and helping just like her parents. And, you know, Mike's been helping out on the, on the lights in the back there. So he, he's in the back and, you know, I, every now and then I'm like, hey, turn it on or whatever. You know, he's back here. And let's give him a hand. We just thank God for these folks here. I'm going to ask Zach, our worship pastor. I know you're very, very close friends with Zach and his family. So I'm just going to ask Zach if he'll lead us in prayer as we dedicate Leliana to the Lord and, and Mike and Mal. So God, thank you for the miracles that you've already done in Mike and Mal's life. I've known them separately since before they were dating and then been in their wedding. And man, it has been amazing to see how you've provided for them. And so, um, what I'm asking is that you would provide again for them and give them the strength they need to raise Liliana in, um, in the environment that um, I know that they say now they want her to be in. So um, protect her, keep her safe, and above all, um, lead her to a place where one day she knows you. She comes to a saving faith and realization that um, she needs you. So God, we love you, and we're so excited that Liliana is just one of so, so many children here that are the next step for our church. So um, we pray something special over Liliana and believe in what she has to come. So we love you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's give our God a hand as we worship him. Well, um, first off, I just want to say a big hello and welcome to everybody. Uh, glad that you're here. Glad that most of you are smiling. Uh, welcome to our uh, online family as well. Thanks for joining us and being a part of what's going on here. If you don't know me yet, my name is Eric. I get to be the pastor of student ministries here at Crossroads. Um, and so that's exciting. We've been uh, just really uh, getting after it. We got some great ideas and great things coming up in the future that I can't wait to share with all of you. Um, and so there is a couple of things that I want to highlight 
um, for you guys to be aware of. And then uh, there's one one favor that I need to ask every person in the room before I'm done. So a couple quick things to highlight. This Wednesday, August 22nd, um, is going to be a big night because starting at 6 o'clock, um, every student going from into 7th grade all the way going into 12th grade, we have a big fun event this Wednesday called Color War. Uh, it's going to be a blast. It's going to be just so much fun, so messy. You're not going to want to miss it. But um, also starting at 6 o'clock, um, from 6 to 7, upstairs in the gym, we're going to have a parents meeting. And this is going to be where I get to meet a lot of you and share with you what this fall is going to be looking like. There are some changes, and I want to make sure you're all kept in the loop so we can all be moving forward together. So this Wednesday, 6 o'clock, um, if you are a parent of a rising 5th through 12th grader, so this is Route 56 on up, please come and join us. I will have food. So I know a lot more of you are going to come than if I didn't have food. Um, so there's that one thing. Second thing, this fall, starting on September 12th, there's a lot of things happening. One of those things is Clubhouse Kids. Um, if you have been a part of it before, you know how exciting it is. If you have not been a part of it yet, get ready to have your mind blown. And so uh, right in the back. Uh, at the end, Courtney's going to be back there with a the table. Just come and talk to her. Let her know that you may be interested. Uh, if you know for sure you're interested, then sign up. It really is going to be something very, very special. Um, the last thing is we love our worship, right? This band does an amazing job. It's exciting to be able to worship God through song. And so something that I want to do is I want to bring that opportunity to our students. And so one week from today... We're going to have a meeting at 1 o'clock right here. Again, we're going to provide some lunch. If you have availability on Wednesday evenings, if you have a heart for the next generation and you're even a little bit musically inclined, um, come so we can talk to you. It's non-committal, um, but it may be a chance for you to step in, use the talents and gifts that God has given you to help lead our students uh, in worship. We're going to have opportunities for both Sunday morning and Wednesday night. So just email Zach or myself. Our information is up there. And then just the info meeting next Wednesday or next, excuse me, next Sunday for that. And so this is the thing that I want to ask all of you to do. It may seem small, but it's a big deal. Be praying. When we pray, we get to talk to the creator of everything. The one that we're singing about. We have the opportunity to come before him and ask for him to move. And I don't know about you, but I want to see God move mightily through our students this year. And I believe he's already stirring and doing things. So please be praying because I, I think that the best really is yet to come. As our ushers come forward, as we begin to receive our, our tithes and our offerings, I was talking to my wife, Lisa. She's uh, beautiful and smart and talented and I love her very much. And she teaches me things all the time. And she reminded me of this verse and I wanted to share it with you guys. First Chronicles 29.11 says, Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power, the glory, the victory, and the majesty. Everything in the heavens and on the earth is yours, O Lord, and this is your kingdom. We adore you as the one who is over all things. And just as you sit there and you let those words soak into your heart, the greatness, the power, the glory, the victory, the majesty, everything belongs to God. 
And so when we surrender to God what is already his, when we give back our time and our energy and our finances, we are saying, God, you're already doing something and I want to be a part of what you're doing. And he gives us a chance to do that. And that's exciting. So that was an encouragement to me. Hopefully it was to you as well. But let's pray together that God multiplies our givings and does something exciting. Dear Jesus, thank you for waking us up this morning. Lord, thank you that your mercies are new every day because we sure need them. Lord, I pray that as we give, that you would do what only you can do with it. Lord, we believe that that you're active in our life. We pray, God, that our dependency on you would never decrease, but that we would begin to see you moving more and more. Lord, I pray for every person in this room. I pray that you would just begin to open their hearts, open their minds to receive today what you have for them. I pray that you give the peace and the hope, the perseverance and the joy that they need in whatever situation that they're going through. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I let go and I let love show me life like it's supposed to be. glad to be here today. Let's give our God a hand. What a great God we serve, man. What a great God we serve. We've been on a series entitled Bucket List, and uh, a strange thing happened to me this week. I turned 50, and uh, you saw it was all over Facebook. You know, it was like, wow. I just wanted to be quiet and, like, get away with it. You know what I mean? And, uh, and so it's been a wild week. Thank you for all your well wishes. I know that uh, it's not the end, but I can see it from here now, all right? So it's just like, it's a different day. I've joined the 50 Club. I came to the car show last week. I sat beside Dave Boer, pulled up a chair, and I just, I said, man, this is what life's going to be like. We just sit around, right? No, I'm just kidding, all right? But we had a good time. I had a blast hanging out with Dave and just looking at his car. He got a GTO. And so it's like, wow, man, these guys are having fun. So I'm in that in-between thing. I'm like, this is kind of fun, what's going to be in the future, to, uh, to do all that, but I'm not ready for that yet. But anyhow, so, uh, but I, it's like, you know, as you start thinking about it, you start reflecting. And so people have been asking me, you know, like people shared that they want to go skydiving, that's on their bucket list. Emily Egler said on Facebook that she wanted to swim with the pigs in the Bahamas. How cool is that? We're not cool, but that's kind of whatever she wants to do, right? I didn't know that was even, I didn't even know pigs swam, so that's kind of cool, all right? Um, so I, I, I'm going to show you. What is on my bucket list? I went and washed this on Wednesday night. That's at the Washington County Fair. Okay? 
This is the school bus derby. It's the ultimate. Oh, it's just making me feel so good. I do this every year. Every year at the Washington County Fair on Wednesday night, they have this. And this is like, one day I want to drive one of those buses. That's going to be me. There it is. Oh, yeah. It's so cool. Yeah, yeah. Dan McNeese was out there for a little bit, you know. Uh, Dan, I was by CJ when they first started, and all of a sudden, got, the, the, the buses are banging like that, and all of a sudden, CJ goes, boom, boom. He's five years old, just turned five, so we're excited about that. So that's my bucket list there of that stuff. But what if God wrote your bucket list? What if God wrote some things that he wants you to do? Like, like he, you're going to be here, and you're going to be alive. God knows how many days that you have left. I don't know how many days you have left. I don't know how many days that I have left. I would like to plan them well. I'd like to do, and, and, and again, as I've been reflecting a little bit, I'm kind of thinking a little bit more about how I'm going to use them wisely. You know, when you're 25, you think you have a ton of days left. When you turn 50, you think, oh, I don't have that many days left, all right? And then it's like, all right, I'm, I'm sure whenever I turn 60, I'll even be more conscious of that. And, uh, you know, and, and so it, th these are all the fun things of life that we have to go through. But what if God wrote your bucket list? In other words, what if there's something God wants you to do before he takes you out of this earth? And I really believe that there is that. I believe that God has a plan for your life. He would not have left you here. So if he's given you eternity, you've come to Jesus, you've trusted him as your personal savior, he's promised you a home in heaven, he's given you eternity to look forward to, why wouldn't he just take us to heaven right away? Uh, because he has something here that he wants you to do. So that, that's, that's our eternal home. But right now, for the days that he has numbered for you to be here, and we're all here different numbers of days, so for the different numbers of days that God has you here, um, God has a plan for you, and he wants you to look at it. So we've been going through Romans chapter 12, and we're seeing this incredible bucket list. And I'll tell you what, the more I'm digging into it, I'm like fascinated. I'm like, wow, God has a plan. He did not leave me here to do nothing. He did not leave me here just so that I could come and, and, and feel better about my life. He left me here to do something. And here it is. Romans 12, 1 and 2 have been our theme for this, for this series. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your, re this is your spiritual, your reasonable act of worship. He says, based upon Romans chapter 1 through 11, if you go through Romans 1 through 11, you'll see he talks about your sin, that you need a Savior, that our sin separates us from God. If we get what we deserve for our sin, we go directly to hell, the Bible says. But Jesus came. He died on the cross. He paid for your sin, and he offers eternal life. So through Christ, whenever you die, if you'll trust him as your personal Savior, he gives you eternal life. It's that simple. And so he says, based upon all this, and it's, it's rich doctrine, I want to encourage you, go home and just study Romans 1 through 11. Just keep digging in and digging in and, and, and finding out what, you know, look at that as doctrines. What is God teaching us here? He says, based upon all those things that you just learned in Romans 1 through 11, I want you to, to therefore, that's what he says, therefore, I want you to give your lives as a living sacrifice. Give your bodies. You know, if you look in the Old Testament even, God was upset with the Old Testament people. He, he told them to praise, like, like, like we shared this morning. I will, my praise will continually be on my lips. Your praise will be continually on my lips, right? So he said, he said, here's what the problem was. It was on your lips, but your heart was far from me. 
And we see this over and over. He's teaching in the scripture. He says, listen, many times you had the outward form. You could do all the outward. Everybody could catch the outward, but your inward was far away. So when Paul comes to this point, he says, I want you to do more than just the outward. I want you to give your body. Give everything you've got to God, because when you give your body, you're giving your mind, your soul, your heart. Everything's going to God. Verse 2 says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to, to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Now, as I look at that verse, this, this, is, this is what always jumps out. We always see this part. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of the world. And I heard sermons after sermon after sermon about not conforming. But I never really caught the transform. To be transformed. He says, don't conform to the... See, the world has a system. The world's system, the way of thinking of the world is with you in the number one. If it looks good, it it must be good. If it feels good, do it. All right? That type of stuff. Because it's all putting you at the center. And he says, so so he says, to not be conformed to that way because... It's, it offers nothing. It's emptiness. It really is. It, it, you'll, you'll be left empty-handed. He says, don't be conformed to that way of thinking, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So, so he, just, he just got done telling you, based upon all that I've just told you, I want you to be transformed. He's saying be transformed by the gospel. The gospel of Jesus is the greatest news ever, that Jesus died on the cross. He paid for your sin once for all forever, and he took care of the the issue for your soul. And he offers you this opportunity to have eternal life. So here you come along, and you accept him, and you get this eternal life. And now this is part of what God wants you to do on, on on your bucket list. He wants you to offer yourself to him as a living sacrifice. Be transformed. So let let the cross transform the way you think. And so th- this has got to invade our life. The, the, the cross of Christ is not something that is reserved for the weekend. The cross of Christ is not something that's reserved for your devotion time in the morning. The cross of Christ is something that is for every thought. So we filter every thought through what Jesus did on the cross for me. Every decision that you make is filtered through the cross because all decisions start in your thoughts by the renewing of your mind. This is how you'll know. He says, this is how you'll know what God wants you to do. So I, and just, just in review, I've been giving you this. Give your life to God, number one. On your bucket list, what, what does God want you to do? He's writing the bucket list. While you're here, he wants you to give your life to God, number one. Number two, he wants you to be all that God made you to be. We talked about that last week. Romans chapter 12, verses 3 through 8. He says, don't, uh, don't think of yourself more highly than you should. Don't think of yourself less than you should. Be sober in your self-assessment. So in other words, look at yourself, see reality. And then he goes into this whole talk about gifts. And he says, look, you need to look at your giftedness. How has God gifted you? God has made every one of us different. And, and he says, just as one body, so we all work together. So as your body has many parts, so does the church. We're all different parts and we all work together. We cannot get on somebody else because their gift doesn't, doesn't gel with our gift, all right? And so we went through that whole thing, and we talked about how God has gifted you. So I want to encourage you. God has given each one of you a gift, and I want you to use it. God wants you to use it. That's what that, he's left you here, and he didn't just leave you here. He gifted you. He didn't just tell you to do something. He gave each one of us a gift so that you will do with that gift what he wants you to do. 
what a powerful God that we have, that he would not just, not just say, hey, I want you to go out and serve, but that he would gift me how to serve. And God has given each person a different gift, and he's, he's ta- told us how to serve. Now we go out and we, we serve within that giftedness, and it, it's just really special. Um, the, today I want to talk about this thought. The, the third thing on your bucket list that I think that God wants, he wants you to be real. He wants you to be real. And I find that here in Romans chapter 12, same passage. We're just going to continue on here, verse 9, okay? He says, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Oh, man, if we could learn to be real. To be real is to, is, is to be authentic, to be genuine. Did you... Uh, did, did you ever go and, and pick up that, that bo- the bottle of Hershey's syrup? I don't know. You ever, sorry for the food illustrations again, folks. Right? But Hershey's syrup, when I was a kid, it was in a can, right? And you, and you would take that, and we would we'd put that hole in there with that, with that can opener, that metal can, and it had a black and silver label. And it just stares out to me because it said Hershey's syrup, and it said genuine. Genuine. Do you know why it says genuine on there? Because if it's not genuine, it's not real. Let me give you an example. If you go and you buy Hershey's genuine syrup, right? And you go buy Aldi brand syrup. Let me tell you, it's still chocolate syrup, but it's not genuine. It tastes nothing like Hershey's, right? And so you're taking it, you know, you're all happy because you saved 55 cents, you know? And you got all these syrup, and you're just like, you, you have to put the whole bottle on to try and even get close to Hershey's syrup. And then, then you come back and you take a little taste of Hershey's syrup. All you need is like one spoonful because it's, it's just so powerful. And that's, that's what happens in our, in our life. Love must be sincere. It must be real. It must be genuine. And here's what happens. <clears throat> the Aldi syrup... Looks like chocolate syrup, and it tastes like chocolate syrup, but it's missing something. Hershey's, they got to figure it out. You, you all buy Hershey's. I mean, I'm sorry for you oldie lovers, but please, go back to Hershey's. I'll give you 50 cents. Just go buy it. Okay? It's worth it. It's a treat for yourself. Why? Because it's real. It's genuine. And there's something that you just can't describe about it. And that's what God says about your love. He says, in the body of Christ, this is how we're to love each other. We are to love each other genuine. We are to be sincere. Um, you know, as I've, been, as I've been looking at my life and, uh, you know, with the whole 50 thing and being reflective, I'm looking and I'm saying, you know what? I have been so blessed because I have people that surround me that genuinely love me. They love me when I fall, when, I, when, I, when I'm not real good, when, I, when, you know, when it was a bad day. They love me. And, and I, have, I have grown up with these people around me, around the church, that have poured into my life. And I get to do what I get to do today because I was surrounded by a community of people whose love was sincere. And they sincerely loved me. They sincerely shook their head a few times when I was younger, saying, what's wrong with that poor guy, right? But they sincerely loved me. And I'll tell you what, 
today and, and, you know, as I've turned 50, I'm saying, wow, I've got, I have other friends that are around me that, that, that are pouring into me still. And, and, and they accept me. And I'll tell you what, there's no greater place to be than in that place because it's genuine love. You, you don't have to perform. You see, love, genuine love is, 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 to, is to be is to, as a place where you are accepted. Now, the, the Greek word here that's used for this, all right, he says to let your love be sincere. Uh, that word sincere is this. It's anupokritos, all right? Anupokritos. In other words, it, it means without hypocrisy. Um, in other words, we've got, to, we've got to be real in our love. We cannot be hypocritical in our love. Uh, the, the word here, it really means, to, it literally, literally means without a mask. And so let me, let me tell you what happened. A, a hypocrite, in, in, the, in those days, when you, when you heard the word hypocrite, today we think of a hypocrite as somebody who says one thing and does another, right? But a hypocrite in the Greek culture was, it was, in, it was in a theater, so in the ancient Greek theater, they would put on these masks. Did you ever see a play where they, where they acted with these things? It kind of freaks you out a little bit, really, it does. You know, it's like they put it on, and they're talking like this, and, you know, you're kind of like, ooh, that's a horror movie, right? But uh, back in the day, that's how, the, how they acted. And their acting was, would be to wear this mask, and so you might have one guy, and he may have three parts. So he may put this mask on, and he'd come out, and he'd be acting as, a, as an adult male. And then he'll come back out later, and he'll have a mask of a child on. He was acting as a child. He'll come back out later on. He has another mask on, and it has the, the mask of a, uh, of, of a woman. So he, he would play three or four different parts. He, he could throw his voice all over the place. Um, he, he, he learned to, learn to uh, change his voice, all kind of different things that they would do because they were acting. And so, and when you're acting, and it's kind of fun. I mean, we, you know, we have the Christmas dessert theater. We're, we're excited about that. Or I saw all those people last week getting excited, and they're learning about how they can, can do this. But when we're acting, and we, we always tell the people when you're acting, remember, you're, this isn't you. You're, you're portraying somebody else, okay? So you're taking on the form of another character. And so what God is saying here, he says, let your love be without a mask. He says, I want you to take your mask off. When you love, I want you to take your mask off. In other words, do you realize that there are, there are things that we do? He says, I want you to take your mask off. I want you to stop projecting an image of somebody that you're not. And here's what's kind of wild. Because when we project an image of somebody that we're not, and all of a sudden somebody loves us, do you realize that you haven't experienced real love yet? Because they are loving that image that you projected. So you projected an image, it wasn't you, and then, and then they loved that image. Now you go home and you're like, you have to keep hiding, you have to keep, you have to keep this up, and it's like, oh. And, and then you, you develop this web of, of just, it really just takes over your life because you've developed, and, and what they did was they loved your mask. And so, so when we are, when we, when we are to be love sincere, he says, your love must be sincere. He says, I want you to take off your mask, and I want you to, to experience, number one, God's love. I, I've found this out, that many people know about God's love, but many people haven't experienced it. And the experience of God's love is, is to take it from knowing and to really take off your mask. Because, number one, God knows what's behind your mask. 
You put that mask on every day, you're holding up some image. You may hold up an image in the church, in your family, in your job. You wear this mask all the time. In the meantime, God knows what's behind that mask. God already knows. He knows the blemishes. He knows everything you've got to deal with. As a matter of fact, he says, when you come to the Word, over in the book of James, he says that God's Word is like a mirror. So when we come to God's Word, he wants us to take the mask off. And you say, ooh, but if I take off the mask and I look in the mirror, I might be a little bit of afraid, right? There's some blemishes there. There's some things missing, right? And it's like, ooh, it's, it's a little frightening sometimes. And let me say this. God is not frightened by what he sees behind your mask. God is not at all frightened by your imperfections, by your impurities, by what's lacking. And he says, I want you to take off your mask, and I want you to let me love you. Let God love you first, because that's the first way, and that's the only way that I can love. That's the only way I can sincerely love anybody else. And, and then, then I take that love that he's given me, and I now I'm able to love you sincere. And you, I can come to you, and you don't have to put this mask on in order for me to love you. This church, I want our church to be known for this. I really do. I want our church to be a place where you don't have to play spiritual games. I want our church to be known for a place where you don't have to play any game. You, you can take off that mask. And when you come in here, it, it could be ugly. It could be not pretty. Listen, God says, I love you for who you are. I died on the cross. I paid for your sin. I want to give you eternal life. I want to give you life at the, to the full, that John 10, 10 life that we've been so excited about. He can't give you life to the full when you're putting a mask on. You see, when I'm trying to make my image, I have to let my image go. I have to put my image down and realize that I'm created in the image and the likeness of God Almighty. And even with my shortcomings, even with my failures, he died on the cross. He's taken care of it, and I am secure in Christ. Now, what's kind of interesting is over in Acts chapter 5, let me show you how serious that God took it. God took this thing uh, about being pure, very serious, about, about being non-hypocritical, about taking the mask off. Acts chapter 5, verse 1, there was a certain man named Ananias who with his wife, Sapphira, sold some property. He brought part of the money to the apostles, claiming it was the full amount. With his wife's consent, he kept the rest. Then Peter said, Ananias, why have you, why have you let Satan fill your heart? You lied to the Holy Spirit. You have kept some of the money for yourself. The property was yours to sell or not to sell, as you wished. And after selling it, the money was yours to give away. Uh, how could you do a thing like this? You weren't lying to us, but you were lying to God. So as soon as Ananias heard these words, he fell to the floor and died. And everyone who heard about it was terrified. Then some young men got up, wrapped him in a sheet, and took him out and buried him. God was making an example here. He was showing to the early church. He said, look, community in the early church, you cannot be fake. You cannot wear a mask because when you wear a mask, not only are you lying to your neighbor, you're lying to God. Peter said, that's your property. You could sell it or not sell it. You didn't have to sell your property. And he says, you didn't even have to give it all. So let's give an example. Let's say he sold his property for $50,000. And he comes to Peter and he says, here, I'm giving you, here's what I sold it for. And he gives him 30000 
says, I sold my property. Here it is. I'm giving 100% of it to, to the church. I'm giving 100% of it to God. I want, I want you guys to use it well. And all of a sudden, he's like, whoa. And Peter's like, did you really sell it for that? Why did you lie? You see, Peter, Peter's issue was not that he, that, that he didn't give it all. Peter's issue was that he put a mask on. And he was lying. And so, so God said, boom, you're, 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 you're dead. So, so this was a husband-wife tag team thing. They, they conspir- there was a conspiracy between husband and wife, right? So verse 7, about three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Could you imagine that? Your husband went to give a, a donation to the church, and three hours later, he hasn't come home yet. Um, you'd think he went to lunch with, with Peter, right? <laughs> no. Peter asked her, he says, what was the price you and your husband received for your land? Yes, she replied, that was the price. Verse 9, and Peter said, how could the two of you even think of conspiring to test the spirit of the Lord like this? The young men who buried your husband are just outside the door. They're going to carry you out too. <laughs> As I read it, I'm like, wow. Instantly, she fell to the floor and died. When the young men came in and saw that she was dead, they carried her out and buried her outside beside her husband. Great fear gripped the entire church and everyone else who heard what had happened. You see what happened? There, there, there was a fake love there. They were trying to impress God. Folks, you can't impress God. You can't impress God. God knows what's behind your mask. And so he says, I want you to let your love be sincere. Uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 9, we'll put that up. Love, let your love be sincere. And then, then what, what is kind of wild is this. He, he says, not only do I want you to let your love be sincere, he says, hate what is evil and cling to what is good. So you're like, wait a minute, do you feel the tension? How do you let your love be sincere but yet hate what is evil? So what he says here, number one, we never hate the person. You never hate a person. All throughout history, God has never hated humans. He has hated evil. And he proved that when he went to the cross and he died on the cross and he paid for your sin. He has not been mad at humans. This has been a war of, the, uh, of God and Satan, right? So he says to hate what is evil. So when Jesus died on the cross, he did it because of the evil, because of our sin. And, and evil took, you know, evil thought that, he, that they had won whenever Jesus died. But Jesus conquered, and he came back to life again, and everything changed. All of history has changed. We still, to this day, we are in A.D., after death, after the death of our Lord Jesus, right? 2018 A.D. It's all because of Jesus, what he did on the cross, and the fact that he rose again. It was a significant. It changed everything about the way we live today. But here's what happens. When we pretend... When we pretend, you know, God says, uh, God showed you there in uh, Acts chapter 5. He says, I don't want you to pretend. I want you to be real, but I also want you to hate what is evil. Don't hate the person, hate what is evil. And, and, and the, the word here is, is really strong. It is really strong. I, I, I could say to you, you know, he said at the beginning of the chapter, in light of the mercies of God. So let's take it like this. In light of the mercies of God, let your love be sincere. Take off your mask. And hate what is evil and cling to what is good. So here's what it means. To hate what is evil means uh, it's a strong word. You could use the word uh, abhor there. You could use the word dislike. You could uh, to have horror. And and here's here's the best illustration that I think I could find about it. Uh, It's, you know, to simply avoid it, to 
to be repelled, not just to avoid evil, but to be repelled by it. So here's what happened in our house. We, we like to grill out on, 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 the, uh, on the grill. You know, put chicken outside. You've been doing that all summer. So we, we one day took some chicken out and thawed it out before we left for work. And as we, you know, we come home, we're like, oh, man, we're running. Somebody invited us to do something. So the chicken's still laying out there. And the next day it was still laying out there. And the next day it was still laying out there. And I come home from work. And I'm like, oh, what is that smell? I mean, you're just, you just hate it, right? I'm like, Rhonda, we got to get rid of the dog. Smell this house, you know? She's like, no, no, no. It's the chicken. It's the chicken. So we go in the kitchen, and the chicken's still sealed, but the, the pungent odor is all over the house. And you're like, see, that's what God wants. He wants you to hate evil like that. It is something you've got to get rid of. Why? Because it's bad. It's nasty. It's going to hurt you. It's going to tear you down. Those habits, those hang-ups, all these things that we deal with. He says, man, take them and just, just get rid of them. Hate what is evil. I shared that last night, and one of the ladies there, she's a teacher over at Peters Township High School, and uh, over in the Peters Township school system, and she had a fish tank in her room. And she was telling me, like a good teacher, at the end of the year, she drained a fish tank, took everything home, and I guess that she had a little, little refrigerator with a little freezer in it, and she used to keep some frozen shrimp in there. And she'd put it in the tank, and, uh, and she came back, you know, they, they, they left, and when she left, she unplugged the refrigerator, took her fish tank, and just left the refrigerator there. Because she'd be in the same room. So she came back, what, 10, 12 weeks later? And she's like, oh, what smells in here? And so the custodial people came to her and said, yes, could you please tell us what smells in your room? And she opened up that little refrigerator, and there were those frozen shrimp 12 weeks later that had thawed without being plugged in. And she was just like, oh, this smells so bad. And they cleaned it, and they got rid of it. And it's like, you just can't stand the smell of that. That's what he's saying. I want you to hate evil that much. I want you to, when you get to smell it, you get rid of it because it's self-destructive. It hurts you. You see, he, he says here that the body, uh, that, that, that the church is a body. Romans 12.5 says that, that we are one body. One body. So whenever he was talking about gifts, he says, So in Christ, we, we who are many form one body, and each body belongs to all the others. So he says, I want you to understand that whenever you sin, whenever you have a sin issue, guess what? You hurt the entire body. So if, if I've hurt my hand, the whole body is hurt because this hand is hurt. I, I, you know, you can't, you can't say because you, 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 know, you hit, your, hit your thumb with a nail. You can't say that, 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 you're, you know, that you just cut your thumb off, everything's fine. No, the whole body's hurting. The whole, you're thinking about it. You're feeling it. You get up in the morning and maybe that knee, you got a bad knee, and it's just like, man, you're limping. People see you limping. They're like, what's wrong with you? Well, your knee's hurting, right? So when we, as the body, we are connected. This is the body of Christ. This is our local gathering of the body of Christ. And then there's the greater body of Christ, the, the whole world of people that have followed Christ, people everywhere that are Christ followers. That's the, that's the body at large, right? So what happens whenever we get involved with sin? The whole body hurts. The whole body's smelling it. The whole body's saying, please, you, you're, you're, this is hurting us. 
And what God wants us to do is to, is to, to hate what is evil. And then he says to cling to what is good. And so the word cling there is from, from a, uh, the root word of that word is kaleo. And it's the same word. It means to, to glue together, okay? Because the same word, we get this from our English, we get the English word collagen. It's the fibrous protein found in bones, skins, ten, skin, tendons, and cartilage. It's collagen. It holds you together. He says, I want you to be held together by what is good. Hate what is evil and be cling, cling be held together to, by what is good. And here's what happens in the body of Christ. We have to hate what is evil. You know, when you see somebody that has a, has a sin issue, a, a habit, something that is self-destructive, you hate it. Why? Because you don't want that person to live like that anymore. You don't want them to be in pain, in agony. It's not because, because uh, the, the, you don't like the person. It's because that person has been destroyed. You can be destroyed by anger, by unforgiveness, by, by habits. And God says, we've got to let all this stuff go. We've got we to gotta like, whew, this stuff. And so, to a degree, we all wear a little bit of a mask. This morning, my invitation to you is to take off the mask so that you can, number one, be loved, so you can really accept his love and forgiveness, and number two, so that you can truly love because you'll never be able to truly love as long as you've got a mask on. If I'm projecting, projecting for you to think that I'm something that I'm not, you don't even know me, and we never get to authentic community. Let's close in prayer. With our heads bowed and eyes closed this morning, I want to ask you to respond to Jesus. I want to invite you to Jesus Christ and to trust him as your personal savior. He died on the cross. He paid for your sin. He made it so that you do not have, you do not have to wear a mask. In our church, no masks are allowed. We're asking you to take the mask off this morning. Jesus is asking you to take the mask off. When we get to heaven, there's no mask. And right now, God knows what's behind your mask. So I want to ask you to take the mask off today and just realize that you're loved. You are so loved by the God of the universe. You are so loved because of what he's done for you. And I want to ask you to learn how to love others. Learn how to hate what is evil. Folks, sin will destroy our lives. I want, to, I want to invite you to Jesus and cling to what is good. Let that hold us together. Let his righteousness hold us together. So if you're in this room this morning, you haven't opened your heart to Jesus Christ. You've not yet made personal that Jesus is your Lord. I want to invite you to do that today. Just call on him and pray something like this. Dear God, I know that I'm a sinner. You died on the cross. You paid for my sin. And I admit that to you, that I'm a sinner, and I invite you into my life right now. Thank you for dying and paying for me. Thank you for rising again. Lord, today I take my mask off, and I accept your love and forgiveness. And for others of you, maybe you've been... You've been coming to church. You've followed Christ, but you put the mask back on. God says, stop. For crying out loud, take the mask off. I love you. You don't got to be somebody.
You are somebody. Father God, be with your people as we respond to your goodness. Lord, help us to take the mask off and lay it at the foot of the cross. Now would you stand and sing? So I'll sing real arms Jesus.